This is Nullius in Verba, a podcast about science, what it is, and what it could be. It's co-hosted by me, Smriti Mehta from UC Berkeley, and me, Daniel Lagens from Eindhoven University of Technology. In today's episode, we discuss something that has multiple names, scientific principles, values, and virtues. What are some virtues scientists should have? Should scientists be driven by pragmatism or idealism? Should they resist authority or be deferential to legitimate authority while also maintaining the courage to contradict? And what are some virtues that are imperative for all scientists? Enjoy. Bequest of Pavlov to the Academic Youth of His Country written just before Pavlov's death at the age of 87 years, on February 27, 1936. What can I wish to the youth of my country who devote themselves to science? Firstly, gradualness. About this most important condition of fruitful scientific work, I can never speak without emotion. Gradualness, gradualness, and gradualness. From the very beginning of your work, School yourself to severe gradualness in the accumulation of knowledge. Learn the ABC of science before you try to ascend to its summit. Never begin the subsequent without mastering the preceding. Never attempt to screen an insufficiency of knowledge, even by the most audacious surmise and hypothesis. Howsoever the soap bubble will rejoice your eyes by its play, it inevitably will burst and you will have nothing except shame. School yourself to demureness and patience. Learn to inure yourself to drudgery in science. Learn, compare, collect the facts. Perfect as is the wing of a bird, it never could raise the bird up without resting on air. Facts are the air of a scientist. Without them, you can never fly. Without them, your theories are wane efforts. But learning, experimenting, observing... Try not to stay on the surface of the facts. Do not become the archivists of facts. Try to penetrate to the secret of their occurrence. Persistently search for the laws which govern them. Secondly, modesty. Never think that you already know all. However highly you are praised, always have the courage to say of yourself, I am ignorant. Do not allow haughtiness to take you in possession. Due to that, you will be obstinate where it is necessary to agree, you will refuse useful advice and friendly help, you will lose the standard of objectiveness. Thirdly, passion. Remember that science demands from a man all his life. If you had two lives, that would not be enough for you. Be passionate in your work and your searchings. So maybe just to continue from this point of passion, passion being very important, and and even uh, going a little bit back earlier in time, um, this is a lecture actually given by Max Weber, um, who's a sociologist, German sociologist, in 1917. And he also talks about the same thing, same thing. So I just want to read this. He writes, 
nowadays, a really definitive and valuable achievement is always the product of specialization. And anyone who lacks the ability to don blinkers for once and to convince himself that the destiny of his soul depends upon whether he is right to make precisely this conjecture and no other at this point in the manuscript should keep well away from science. He will never be able to submit to what we may call the experience of science. In the absence of this strange intoxication that outsiders greet with a pitying smile, without this passion, this conviction that millennia had to pass before you were born and millennia more must wait in silence to see if your conjecture will be confirmed, without this you do not possess this vocation for science, and should turn your hand to something else. For nothing has any value for a human being as a human being unless he can pursue it with passion. Oh. Yeah, these people know how to write. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that gives me chills. That is so good. <laughs> no. But bold, a lot of bold claims, yeah. Oh, yeah, they are not mincing words. Right? <laughs> And um, this this altogether is an interesting category of writing, huh. actually. That um, before I dove into this topic of today, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, which, uh, yeah, we don't really know how to call it, but let's call it uh, something like vocational virtues. Right. We thought about calling it principles. Principles of science, yeah. But yeah. intellectual virtues, or yeah, vocational virtues, I think, is probably a good descriptive term. Something. Something yeah. like this. And we'll have to figure out well, how to translate it into Latin, but for exactly. now. <laughs> yeah. For, yeah. for now I think it's good. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's interesting that these things are written down in this its own category of scientific writing, which is something like advice. Right. Advice to young scientists or something right. like this. And there are a couple of papers. Um, a couple Buffles of books. Does it. Yeah. Pablo. Books? Mm -hmm. Yeah, books. I mean PD Madauer, I think. I don't know how to say his name, but he mm -hmm. he mm -hmm. has one book, Advice to a Young Scientist. Um, mm -hmm. Santiago Romanicajal has one, Letters to mm -hmm. a Young Investigator. I think there's a couple of them, very very similar. Yeah, yeah, and 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 they all give advice on what, not just practical stuff, but also your your attitudes or how you should like the principles of being a scientist on this higher level, basically. And so, can I ask you, do you think that? Science belongs in some category of vocations where such advice is important. Hmm. And if yeah. yes, what is that category? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think it is because um, this is a job where we have a certain aim. And to achieve this aim, I think the idea is you have to behave in a certain way. There are things you should do, or at least that some authors and some researchers think you should do. And that's what's in those, right? You should have passion. You should pursue things single-mindedly, be willing to wait forever until results <laughs> are confirmed and just, you know, dedicate yourself to this thing. <laughs> right. Because otherwise you can just as well give up, for example. Um, so it seems special. What do, what do you think? But then the question would be, but accountants have an aim and, <laughs> and, and they need certain things to be able to do their job well, right? They need to be detail oriented. They need to have facility mm -hmm. with numbers, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
maybe we just have a bunch of people who really like to write about this and treat it as if it's, <laughs> as you know, special something thing. special. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, we're all writing anyway. I And I have to say, I mean, I hope we'll get to this, but like I made a list. I made hmm. a list of things where I'm like, okay, so what are my my principles or what are things I think are virtues? And then I made this list and I almost wanted to write a book about it. Oh, well, maybe you should. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm going to call it advice to an old scientist. You know, because <laughs> they also need advice. They have no, there's, I identified a gap in the market. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. You should, uh, that can be your sabbatical for your next sabbatical. That can be exactly. your yeah. goal. Yeah. No, but I yeah. think, but I think one of the things that maybe, well, I'll be curious to see if you, well, no, I think you might agree, but I'm, I'd be curious to see how we can distinguish it from something like accountancy, but there mm -hmm. is a moral dimension to doing yeah. science, right? And I think that's what makes it maybe a little bit different than some other vocations where you still have a goal and you still have, you know, principles that you need to follow in some sense, but they, they don't have the same kind of, yeah, like a, like a moral color, um, yeah, like yeah. As, as science does. But but why is that? Right. Because mm. even even if you're an accountant, you're handling mm -hmm. people's money. Surely there is some kind of a moral yeah. dimension to that. But but science just somehow feels different, even yeah. from from that perspective. Hmm. It's very interesting because uh, some of these things that are um, in this list of things that scientists should do, like the most obvious one, I think, is honesty. Mm -hmm, you know, mm hmm, mm hmm, mm hmm. Of course, because we want to discover things that are likely to be true. So mm -hmm. if you're not honest, yeah, it right. gets into the way of our job. <laughs> yeah. But then it also gets in the way for an accountant. Right. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. so true. I don't know. Maybe yeah. they just didn't have people who won Nobel Prizes who started to write books <laughs> about stuff like this. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think... So one of the papers that we sort of reread, um, and I, oh, this is every time I read it, I'm just like, this is such a fantastic article uh, by Barry Schwartz called, um, oh, I love it, Science, Scholarship and Intellectual Virtues, A Guide to What Higher Education Should Be Like. Um, mm -hmm. And I think here in, in this article, he makes the sort of distinction between things that, like what makes something a practice Mm -hmm. And there you need to have, right, like the the virtues that we're talking about, something like honesty or caring about the truth is sort of intrinsic to doing science in a way that it's not, in, right? Like if you're an accountant, you might just care about getting a paycheck, right? It's like doing that is not something where being honest is intrinsic to the actual work. Actually, mm -hmm. even if you're crunching numbers, you still need to be honest about it. Mm -hmm. Maybe we can just give it that all vocations have certain virtues, mm -hmm. but they're just very specific scientific vocational virtues. Let's just give it to the accountants, mm -hmm. uh, but, but we are not accountants. So we can't say what the virtues are in that field, although honesty is probably good everywhere, but okay, <laughs> you know, so maybe we just say, okay, we, we can, but we can say something about Well, not if you're a magician, should. that's probably not yeah. very good if you're a magician. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. yeah what the, Okay, anyway. <laughs> but but I guess, can I ask you then, would you mind sharing like with us what ended up on your list? Like, is it a long list? I mean, it sounded like you wanted to write a book about it, so <laughs> it must be long. Let, let's see. Let's let's see if we if we get there. Yeah, no, but I thought it was interesting to think about. I thought it was interesting mm. to think about, like, what are these things? But maybe before we get to my list, maybe it's good to uh, list some of the things that other people have uh, given and that we what, what we think about these so if we take a look at the literature what these kind of virtues mm, are supposed to be mm -hmm, the scientific mm -hmm, virtues mm -hmm. yeah i mean yeah one is 
I mean, easily what we just started out with, which is what Pavlov mentions, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Which is, I mean, three of them, gradualness. Modesty. Modesty and um, passion. Yeah. And passion. Yeah. And, passion. Yeah. And, and gradualness is, is what exactly? I think by gradualness, he just means sort of patience. Like, don't, mm-hmm. you know, don't expect mm-hmm. things to be quick and easy. Like, things will take time. Yeah. And just to have patience. And I think this is sort of, it's almost a little bit similar to what Saul Perlmutter, who's a physicist um, here at Berkeley, calls scientific optimism, which mm-hmm. is this idea of sort of, you know, that remain optimistic that if you want to solve problems, it will not happen very quickly to have the sort of can-do attitude. Yeah. Kind yeah. of similar. So I think that that can also fall, I think, within the... One of these until, you know, vocational mm-hmm. virtues, I think, of just having, yeah, yeah be- believing that we can do it and then sticking to it long enough to solve, to solve things. Yeah, yeah and yeah. some commitment to it and also some aspect of being meticulous, I guess, right? So Pavlov also says, like, don't skip a step. You have to take every step and really, you know, build. And, yeah, yeah. Right. Learn the ABCs of science before you. Yeah. Which is, I think, so, so important and something that, again, doesn't get, like, talked about enough. Mm-hmm. Right. So when I tell you about even like th- well, you see it so much with things like statistics where people want to do really fancy things mm. without knowing what a cor- like, you know, even I like it's taken me so long to really understand what a correlation is. Mm-hmm. And I, and mm-hmm. I feel like we do ever like mm-hmm. everybody is like worse off, I think, if we don't first follow, you know, take care of the basics before trying to do all these new fan- like learning and trying to, you know, imitate yeah. these new fancy techniques. So I think it's it becomes really important to first mm-hmm. get your, you know, you have to first learn to walk before you can run. Yeah, and I think yeah. that gets lost. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I kind of like it. And um, there's also something there about learning, even if you want to criticize certain things, for example, that you really understand them well, because it's very easy to just yeah. come in and say like, "Okay, this is not right." But you know, and it reminds me a little bit of painters who sometimes uh, um, they might, you know, develop a new technique. Uh, mm-hmm. very abstract painting but mm-hmm, then they mm-hmm. they often have been trained in all the steps you know the traditional right. steps they can also do those things yeah um, yeah and what do you think of the modesty one but that kind of interferes with our continuing aim to become the dictators of science I think. <laughs> it's in conflict with this i yeah here he's talking directly to us uh he's <laughs> like you get too cocky too cocky these people yeah watch um, out you do <laughs> I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, so that is sort of in line with sort of intellectual humility, right? Always yeah. being, thinking of like, not, not thinking that you know best and thinking mm-hmm. about, you know, do yeah. I, and I, but I think it is sort of, it, it, it does align with what we, you were just saying earlier, which is that you should first do your homework, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. Like you can, you can speak with confidence only when you know what you're talking about. So I think, I think they kind of go in hand in hand. You both can acknowledge that, yes. I, I could always be wrong. We could always be wrong. Even if you've done everything correct, even this is true even in your scientific work, right? Mm-hmm. You could have done mm-hmm. everything right and everything right and you can make bold claims about what you have found and mm-hmm. you could still end up being wrong. That is always yeah. a risk that, that exists and, you know, it's always, we, we can change our mind, right? We reserve the right to change our mind as scientists. So I think that's mm-hmm. always a part of it. Yeah. But, but, but once, you know, but, but insofar as you've done your homework and you've, you know, you've sort of learned the basics, then I think, you know, then you can say things with a bit more confidence while still acknowledging that, oh, yeah, I, I could always be wrong. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and not being a jerk, I think, which um, that I'm mostly saying to myself. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, modesty, admitting that things can always be wrong. Another thing right. I sometimes see in this category of modesty is acknowledging that you're just one step. You know, you're building, you're standing on the shoulders of giants. I mean, um, so so it isn't your work. You're just bringing it mm. forward a little bit. For example, that's mm-hmm. also in a perspective of modesty. I think. Oh, oh, that's a nice way to think about it. Mm. Yeah. To always acknowledging that, yeah, you haven't, yeah, you're building on other work, which also goes in hand with knowing what that work is, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, yeah, so these are the ones by Bufflov. Um, you already mentioned um, Medawar, I guess. I don't, mm-hmm. also don't know mm-hmm. exactly how to pronounce it, <laughs> yeah. Medawar. And uh, in his book, Advice to a Young Scientist, he also has a couple. I, I looked up what he says, and then we can take a look what we think of those virtues. Can, before we move, <laughs> before we yeah. move on. So the the modesty bit, would you think of that as him mainly talking about like a personality characteristic? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like don't don't be full of yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Just just mm-hmm. because you know a lot and you're an expert, quote unquote. Yeah. Um, to maintain, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't be a jerk is how I read it. You know. Hmm. Well, okay, we can come back to this. Whether that's a principle, maybe maybe that one didn't make my list, but we'll see. Um, <laughs> But so so one thing I, I like about these things is that they are not just personality characteristics, mm. I think. Um, they are practices. They are things we put, like these virtues, you put them into practice. So it is something that you can train, for example. And this is uh, part, part of these ideas come from uh, a book that I thought was very interesting on an instinct for truth curiosity and the moral character of science by robert t pennock mm-hmm. and and he also discusses this topic a little bit or, or the book is about these virtues and mm-hmm. uh, but he discusses this topic of a practice and right. he says yeah these virtues are things we have to train we have to put them into practice they don't always come naturally so i think modesty means mm-hmm. that you practice always remind yourself like okay don't go too far act act in this way and I would even say what makes something a virtue is that sometimes it goes against something that you actually want to do or that would be beneficial even, you know? Mm, so it's a harder thing to do. I think that is one of the defining principles. If I read this, at least how I think about it, it's the harder thing to do, but you have to do it anyway because that's good for science. It's the right thing to do, yeah. That is, a, yeah, I think that's a defining principle of a principle, right? <laughs> Maybe, yeah, 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 yeah. But I like that part about it. So so that would mean if we translate it, I don't know if Pavlov meant it like this, but that modesty is something where, you know, instead of just saying, oh, no, I'm I'm awesome, I'm really great, or, or taking credit, more credit than you deserve, mm. you're like, no, 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 that's not important. You give credit to other people who deserve it as well, and, you know, that right, kind of stuff. Right, right. But can, I talk, can we talk about, like, there's this tension between so so what what would the what would the modesty look like in practice well that you acknowledge previous work for example you don't mm-hmm. say i came up with everything but mm-hmm. maybe also that you give credit to other people i mean you often see this in scientists who win a nobel prize and they say thank you so much but really i couldn't do it without my lab mm-hmm. this is not yeah. me. this is like mm-hmm. all of us and that's right. also a sign of modesty mm-hmm and he says, secondly, modesty, never think that you already know all. Yeah, and the tension there where 
you know, even like how, yeah, he says, however highly appraised um, you are, always have the courage to say to yourself, I'm ignorant. Hmm. And I, I, I do think that I sometimes speak more like sort of assertively than, mm-hmm. than, than I think other people think I should. <laughs> 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 mm-hmm. But, but that's also because I'm pretty sure like if I didn't, nobody would take me seriously. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, so I like, and I, and I, and I do think that that's true. Not just that. I mean, personally, for me, that is, that is definitely the case. But I also think that as scientists, sometimes you can run the risk of if you're too cautious about, oh, mm-hmm. we're not sure, like things could be right. If you're being like, oh yeah, we don't know, then then the then the general public is like, well, they don't know what they're talking about. Like, look mm-hmm. at how you know yeah, yeah. uncertain they are, right? So there is mm-hmm. that tension between mm-hmm. saying, yeah, I don't really know much. But having to balance that with, oh, but I do know more than, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like, you know, 70% of people on this topic, at least. Right. So I, yeah. I, I can speak yeah. with some authority. Right. Yeah. So um, one of the things that is uh, nice to keep in mind is that all of these virtues, I think, uh, work in some moderation. Right. So so if you go too, uh, too far. Too far. It's mm-hmm. too extreme then it also doesn't become a good thing. And again, uh, Ben yeah. mentions this in this book, which is really an interesting book, I think. Um, mm-hmm. Also mentioned this, talks about the Aristotelian middle way. So you don't ah. want to do it not at all. That's not good. But if you if you are in, you know, too modest about everything, then it becomes also a bit too much, right? And uh, right. so you should also say, yeah, but this is, you know, this is what it is, or this is, you know, you can acknowledge things that were good. So yeah, the middle way is very important, I think, for all of these things. You can yeah. take them too far. If you don't do them, it's not good. But if you take them too far, it probably is also not optimal. So that's important. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's a great point. And Barry Schwartz makes this point even in that article that I mentioned where he calls mm-hmm. it, you know, the Aristotelian um, virtue called practical wisdom mm-hmm. of knowing, mm-hmm. yeah, where the right balance is and sort of yeah. being mindful yeah. of that sort of yeah. as the master virtue. Great, yeah. great. Yeah. But let's let's go back to your, you were going to mention some other mm-hmm. virtues that we can discuss. Yeah, from, yeah. 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 So we had Medawar and um uh in his book Advice to a Young Scientist. Um mm-hmm. well the first one he mentions as one of these virtues that mm-hmm. you sh- you should do as a scientist you should be is uh curiosity. Oh, yeah. Ah, well, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. Makes sense, yeah. right? <laughs> you need to want to figure stuff out and yeah. So yeah. that's a a good virtue to have, I guess. Yeah. It's okay. If you if you if you want to be a dancer, you should like to move. Like yeah. you know, that's yeah. yeah. sort of a prerequisite. <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. So that's at yeah. the core. Um yeah. then he says you should have a restless endeavor to get to the truth. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that's nice, of course. This is not yeah. just honesty, I think. I mean, maybe it's very related, probably. But yeah. really this endeavor to get to the truth. And I I like this as well. Yeah. Because yeah. it's not given, I think. I don't feel really that every scientist necessarily wants to say what's the truth. No. No, I think people huh. are very often really? motivated. No. I, I mean, of course, we, we had an episode on confirmation bias. So people sometimes want a certain thing to be true. But, well, but Daniel, don't you think that they want it to be, they want to show that it's, they're trying to confirm their beliefs because they think their beliefs are true. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? So, But is that a restless endeavor to get to the truth? I mean, that's more in line mm. with what we talked about in the Cargo Cult episode uh, where mm. Feynman says, 
you know, bending over backwards. backwards. I mean, I think when we really talk about restless endeavor to get to the truth, like the truth is your motivating thing and you're not happy until you're there. And no, I think, I think scientists differ on how much they care about the truth. I think some people are like, well, you know, we can't really conclude this. Of course, we can't really say this is a causal relationship, but it would be super useful if we just said it was a causal relationship. Let's just do it. Something, mm. I mean, you know, just as an example, but I think, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you might be right. And Sir Barry talks about it. Um, sorry, I keep bringing it up, but it's a, it is a great paper. That yeah, of talks course. about a lot mm. of things that we discussed, but he mentions it as love of truth. That's the first intellectual virtue. Yeah. Because um, he's like, scientists, scholars, and students need to love the truth to be good at what they do. Mm-hmm. They need to love the truth um, because discovering it is the point of their efforts and because knowing the truth matters. And this whole section is like absolutely excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think... But I think you're right, perhaps, that not everybody is on the same page about it. And I mean, nowadays, you also see a lot of relativism, mm-hmm. um, which is also mentioned here, which is like, oh, some people think that, oh, there is no objective truth. Yeah. A lot of it is just a, it's human construction. And mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. whereas I do think that, you know, science, the, the sort of structure of science doesn't work unless we believe in an objective reality that's independent of humans i do think that right we have to believe that oh yeah you may not be able to you know see the whole truth and i might not but it's out there and Mm -hmm. we're trying to get at it and our you know methods are imperfect but we can get there yeah or we can get close we can get close and continuously closer right Mm -hmm. and unless you believe that um i think it, it makes it very difficult to have the sort of restless pursuit of like oh we're trying to get to that thing that's out there yeah, that's true. You know. Yeah. So I think there there are two important things, and this aspect about you know wanting to get to the truth is also present in this Pennock book, and it's you know many many times mentioned mm-hmm, as mm-hmm, a core mm-hmm. thing. So first of all, what you mentioned about relativism or social constructivism, you know, the kind of post truth truth postmodern kind of view, like there is no truth. Basically, you're saying, yeah, if that's your viewpoint, then what are you doing in science? So it's a very exclusionary <laughs> kind of uh, virtue, right? You have to go for the truth. And if that's not what you're doing, then I don't know what you're doing in science. So it's really, you know, and that's what makes these principles, you know, they are, you should do this. They're normative. Yeah, you should do this. Right. So if you don't do this, you have a problem per definition. This is not an inclusive system like everything goes. Right. It's, Wait, it's the opposite. Right, but normative or prescriptive? So it's it's prescriptive, right? It's saying right. we should do this because this is how we get to the truth. Right, yeah. They're, yeah. they're prescriptive yeah. in nature. You're right. But can I ask is, so that sounds almost like this virtue and the curiosity virtue, Do you th- how connected do you think they are? Because, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like, what are you curious about unless you think that there are truths like we are trying to discover? Yeah, yeah. Curiosity right? is sort of already un directed sort of right i mean you're not you don't want to confirm something you just want to figure stuff out so it has a a, another thing which we'll probably come come to later is this uh Hmm. this disinterestedness uh which is from merton right Uh, Mm -hmm, robert merton mm -hmm, sociologist mm -hmm. of science as well so he he says one of the norms or virtues or however he calls it disinterestedness and curiosity fits with this right so you should just be guided you you should be motivated to figure stuff out that's the curiosity yeah. And I think this can be a virtue where you really become maybe a little bit obsessive even, you know, like you really want to figure stuff out because it's not easy. So you have to have mm. this curiosity, a good drive. Yeah. That's but I disinterested think. is a great one, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and very important for this restless pursuit of knowledge. Yeah. Or, or truth, yeah. you know. Yeah. Like yeah. You, you need to be like, oh, 
we will let the chips fall where they may, right? You cannot exactly. be guided by, right? Yeah. And I think that is, so, so first of all, we ignore all the post-modern kind of social <laughs> right. constructivist, but then we also, right. yeah, we say, hey, if you are not willing to uh, accept the truth when you find it, you know, mm, or, or search mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. it really, you know, with, um, that's not the good virtue. So it basically means anybody who wants a certain outcome, because, I don't know, it matches what they think is important. I, mm-hmm. Basically, we're talking here about a conflict between facts and values. If you want certain things to be true, like you value certain things in the world, and that's what you want to support and prove with your research, that is not a scientific virtue. And I think we, earlier we talked about practice that goes against, that is sometimes difficult, right? It's the defining thing of a principle. You, mm-hmm. you, you show it yeah. when it mm-hmm, yeah. is difficult to do it. Right. And sometimes this pursuit for the truth means it, you will not get what you want. The truth will not be what you want. And your pursuit right. for the truth means you'll have to accept that. Right. Yeah. And you have to pursue it with a sort of disinterestedness. But it, so you say it's between facts and values, but could it also be like a difference between hierarchy of values? Because you could have different competing values, mm-hmm. right? Where, but, but that you value something like truth a lot more when you're a scientist than you would other values, mm. like yeah. um, getting along with your peers or you know, mm. getting a publication or something like that. I mean, it, it totally could. And um, I think what is interesting about this is that all of these authors give you their view. You know, they give mm, you, these mm-hmm. are, these are my principles or my right. vocational virtues or whatever you're going to call it. But you right. can say, no, uh, as a scientist, truth should not trump all other things. You know, right. you can, you can make that your principle. I mean, I, there's no right and wrong here. So if that's your, your <laughs> thing, that's your thing. And, and you can write your book <laughs> advice too. Yeah. Well, but we are saying that you should do this and you should care about this and you should care about this more than you care about other yeah. things. But do we yeah. agree? Like, does everybody agree on what we should be doing? No, of course not. So I mean, we'll see it later if we continue on, I think, with some of these people. You'll <laughs> even get some things that you're like, oh, really? Where did they get this from? So before I give <laughs> okay. you maybe my list, then maybe you can come up with some some of yours. But so yeah. so let's just go for the last one that Paul Medower uh, describes, for uh-huh, example, uh-huh. and that is um, ambition. Huh. Yeah, it's a surprising one. Eh? You want to you want to be in favor of it, but now you're like, oh wait, ambition, maybe, maybe, but maybe not, right? But he says this is very important. You have to be. I mean, ambitious. it depends on how he defines ambition. Mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. Like, a, like personal ambition, or mm, yeah, I think so. I mean, wow, that's oh, Daniel, that's a fascinating one. What do you think? So he writes, ambition, considered as a motive force that helps to get things done, ambition is not necessarily a deadly sin, but excess of ambition can certainly be a disfigurement. An ambitious young scientist is marked out by having no time for anybody or anything that does not promote or bear upon his work, seminars or lectures that do not qualify are shunned, and those who wish to discuss them are dismissed as bores, the ambitious makes too obvious a point of being polite to those who can promote their interests and are proportionately uncivil to those who cannot. I hope we don't have to be nice to him, an ambitious young Oxford Don said to me of a kindly old buffer with an amateurish interest in science who was dining at high table. 
He wasn't, and although this particular episode did not harm him, it was symptomatic of a state of mind that did. Wait, that doesn't sound very nice. No, I mean, I think, so this is really ambition as in, yeah, you're, you're going for it. So really ambition and also at the expense of other things is not making time for other people, pursuing your goal. Um, yeah. I mean, if I'm understanding it correctly, the way it was described, I don't think I would count that as a vocational virtue. But I guess, I mean, you can think of ambition as, and you know, like, like if you're doing anything, mm -mm. And you're pursuing excellence in it, which, mm -hmm. and, and mm -hmm. I think that's one value I think should be explicitly stated. Like, that would be one thing I think I mm -hmm. care okay. about is like excellence for its own sake. And if you're like, and yeah, you know, I, I do think of myself as ambitious. And, but I, 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 well, I like to think that I like to do good work for its own sake. And I think if you're ambitious in that, that sense of like, oh, I want to do things really, really well, mm -hmm. then I think that's probably can be thought of in a good way but ambition just has such a negative connotation right well negative in an interpersonal sense but i think maybe you could say look hey it works for science these ambitious people get stuff done they make their discoveries oh yeah mm. sometimes a little bit at an expense of someone else or they didn't take time to be nice to someone on their way to their goals <laughs> yeah they're but just for science it's great. everybody but yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean you know uh. this is Metawars uh, virtues. We don't have to agree, yeah. but but that's okay. what I meant. I mean, they're personal. Right. Yeah. yeah, they're yeah. personal ambition. I mean, yeah, I guess if yeah, I guess for science, it might be good if people are super ambitious and they mm. want to win that Nobel Prize. Yeah, yeah. exactly, yeah. exactly. Right. So so maybe that's it. Yeah, I don't know, but I, but I feel exactly the same way. But maybe we. I mean, another interesting thing of principles is if you're like, yeah, but this is a principle. If we don't like it, that doesn't really matter, right? Maybe this is a good principle. Yeah. Right. And yeah. maybe we should just quit. Yeah. Right. Well, maybe not quit, but maybe we should just accept. Yeah, I don't know. This is I, I part didn't, of the... Yeah. It's part of it, apparently. I, di I didn't think it was so nice. Like, it didn't feel like a nice thing to be. But uh, now that I come to think of it, this is indeed a good principle for science. So we should do it. Mm. I mean, you know, that's what principles are. They're guiding, guiding you right. in how to do right. things in practice. And what might yeah. be beneficial for the for the yeah practice as a whole, as yeah. opposed to what's you know being nice. Oh, very interesting. Okay, but, but I think for this one, I definitely would want um, really convincing empirical evidence that this is really uh, noticeably improving science. Otherwise, it would be like no, uh, prefer not to prefer not to have this. But yeah. but if they would convince, you know, maybe if empirically yeah. they say no, it's really better. Maybe we will have to accept it as a as a isn't uh, isn't there like work that Adam Grant does on like givers and takers? Mm, maybe I don't know. Yeah. Okay. You know. Yeah. I think. Um, well, I haven't looked into the actual research, but apparently he says that you know givers are people who are just sort of giving, giving, and takers are people who are just yeah ambitious. I guess they're just yeah, trying to yeah. get ahead. Mm, um, yeah. Yeah. That doesn't sound like the pleasant kind of. Yeah, no, but, but I think, but but I don't know if he's done any work with like scientists specifically, but I think his research, as far as I know, shows that takers don't really get mm -hmm. that much ahead. And when you think about, I mean, well, that would be, yeah, I think that's an interesting empirical question, like in science, because it is a collaborative effort, mm -hmm. right? So if you're with somebody that's just super always looking out for their own interests, like, does it really benefit? Like, like maybe people will not want to work with you anymore because all you care about yeah. is, you know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So. I don't see it work so well in the long term, but I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? If you're a mathematician, maybe you just ignore everything and just do your own. Mm, maybe. Well, but mathematicians are not scientists. Anyway, let's go ahead. <laughs> okay. 
So there's uh, another book you mentioned, also advice for a young uh, investigator. Uh, that's what yes. this is titled by yeah. Santiago Ramon y uh-huh. Callao. Uh-huh. Um, all right. So he also has a couple of virtues. Yeah. I'll tell you yeah. the first. Independent judgment. That's a pretty nice one. That's a good I like one. It. I like yeah. it. I like yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Being an independent thinker. Yeah. E- exactly. And and uh, you have to evaluate the evidence for yourself. And if everybody else likes it, doesn't mean you have to like it. Right. Yeah. Sounds like a title of a podcast I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good. Good. All right. Now, then another one he mentions is intellectual curiosity. So we already have that. Right. Yeah. Perseverance. Which I think we also sort of discussed, right? That's a so good one. Some alignment in these. Yeah. Um, okay. Now, now comes the next one, which is also peculiar. Mm-hmm. I think devotion mm-hmm. to country. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I guess you kind of have to remember. That's I was thinking when we were originally saying it that a lot of these. I mean, you know, people come up with these things in their own sort of social and historical context. So mm-hmm. he was a Spanish um, neuroscientist, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Early 1900s, I think. So, yeah, who knows? I mean, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure where that's coming from, but that, that is very interesting. Well, I mean, you know, it's kind of interesting. A lot of those, so I do some work in sort of like STEM education and, mm-hmm. you know, sort of science education. And you do sometimes a lot of papers that will talk about science education. Mm-hmm. So many times, like, I find it so bizarre, but they will start the papers with this argument of like, oh, the U.S. is being left behind mm, in science yeah. education from like other countries. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that's the goal. Like that's why we should be encouraging people to do better in science and math because we're being left behind by China and Russia. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like it just, it's so interesting, but it is kind of in line <laughs> with, maybe because they, I mean, Bacon also talks about it, right? That one of the goals of science should be to advance the country mm. right to the technological mm. advance which i mean yeah. there is a bit of a sort of yeah, yeah. nationalist component to that right we want to yeah. sort of advance our um technology of our country yeah 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 but also the prestige of your country so if you're right. a world-renowned scientist you come from a certain right. country that rubs off on on your country and yeah, yeah. here it's really meant in sort of a patriotist Patri- uh, pa- right. patriotism kind of way yeah um yeah it's an interesting one and again yeah they they become sometimes sometimes a bit personal i guess you know based on your own background of course but right. also things that you value like i i would be really the opposite and i a while ago i was talking to some people about whether we should attract so you always have a lot of competition between countries for mm-hmm. scientists or at least people seem to think that we're competing for good scientists between countries so there was huh. a change in policy in the netherlands we're really busy with things like rewards and recognitions and and making things a bit more a bit less competitive i think um giving people mm-hmm. contracts like tenure earlier yeah and somebody says like yeah this is not good they thought this was not a good thing to attract talent and huh. and i was like well i don't know i mean if these scientists get a job somewhere else i didn't really agree to begin with but okay right but i also thought okay so then these talented people work somewhere else somewhere else yeah as long as they don't leave science i mean they're still in science so who cares mm. which country mm. they work in but apparently that's a weird idea for some people. <laughs> yeah. yeah but but i agree like who cares where you're from yeah um the the last thing uh same recommendation is a burning desire for reputation <gasps> yeah 
I have heard it in other places too of like eminence. Like one of the things mm-hmm. we should be encouraging is like eminence, which I guess we've discussed in the eminence episode. Mm-hmm. A desire for recognition. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, again, w- yeah, this maybe touches on stuff we talked about in the eminence episode, but like, of course, like if you are being a scientist and you want to put forth some theory or some, you know, empirical mm-hmm. evidence, like, yeah, you want to be recognized for it. <laughs> yeah. You want people to be like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, that person came up with the tr- truth or, you know, their, their theory sort of a- explains the world a little bit better than the theory before it. Like, wh- why else would you want to publish things if you didn't want anybody to read it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. True. And I think, I mean, it helps you to spread the word. You know, if you want your reputation to be better, then you want to show good stuff and also you don't want to make a fool of yourself so if you have a burning desire for reputation i guess that also involves not saying stupid things because then you damage your reputation (laughs) so maybe Mm -hmm. in that sense it could work out you know yeah Um, but of course again we are thinking probably about excess here where you only care about your reputation right maybe that's not how it's meant so so maybe it's safe if you if you value your reputation, you want to keep it up. You want to do good stuff. Maybe that's, you know, okay, I guess. If that's it's okay, in that yeah. Sense. Hmm. And recognition, yeah. I mean, maybe there's like slightly different connotations to these things, right? Like pursuing recognition as opposed to eminence, right? Which might be mm-hmm. different than pursuing simply fame, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, that might be different. Recognition could just be, yeah, you want to be recognized for having done good work, which all of us do, right? I mean, that's... No, yeah. it's understandable. Yeah. So, um, did you think you already had one of your principles, uh, one of the things you cared about? Excellence, aiming, striving for excellence. Mm-hmm. Striving yeah. for excellence. I think, yeah, I think that is kind of an important, mm-hmm. and I think it ties with, like, I think when you read about things, like, so Barry mentions it. It's in um, one other book by McIntyre, which is like, what makes something a practice. Mm-hmm. And what makes something, right? Because you think about, okay, what's a profession versus what's a practice? Mm-hmm. And the difference um, that is sometimes stated is that, oh, it's, it's a, a practice is something where there are standards of excellence because I'm assuming there's not a lot of standards of excellence in accountancy. There could be. Sorry, mm-hmm. if there's accountants mm-hmm. listening to us, please come back. We should really us. dive into this. If you're going to keep using accountants <laughs> as the example, we really need to learn more about accountants. But yeah, okay, go on. <laughs> But um, right, but but we do have standards of excellence and things mm-hmm. like yeah. Even if you're if you're a comedian or if you're a scientist mm-hmm. or if you're mm-hmm. right uh, a mu- well maybe not but but right you you do have these standards of excellence and I think there are certain things that should be where you should pursue excellence for its own sake, not because you will get recognition for it, mm-hmm. not because right and and I think and I think that's something where I'm. Often, like, even when people, when people keep talking about incentives for improving science, I'm like, yeah, but it's very, it's very, very hard to get people to care about doing the right thing the right way when nobody's looking over your shoulder, if all you care about are incentives. So you want people who will want to do the right thing and do, like, good, like, excellent work and really, you know, Mm -hmm. dot their I's and cross their T's because they care about it, right? They care about excellence for its own sake. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a very good point. And I think overall, these virtues are exactly like this. Like, I completely agree with you. Very often people say, yeah, but the environment, mm-hmm. the, the incentives. And I mm-hmm. think that's what makes this topic so interesting. Because this topic is, yeah, regardless of the incentives or, right. incentives, or actually, even if setting a you know, high bar for yourself. So that's how I describe this. So it's on my list. Like I have this, ah, nice. like setting yeah. a high bar. I think setting yeah, that's a high excellence. bar. Yeah, uh-huh. exactly. And 
even when it makes your life more difficult. Harder, yeah. Yeah, when, yeah. You, when you have to spend more time figuring some stuff out or making right. sure you're doing it well, um, I believe that this is a virtue. This is something you need to strive for. And it is going against the reward structures, of course. But if you say, yeah, but there's a publish and perish. No, no, this is about you. This is about your right. virtues, your actions, your the way you yeah. practice science. So, so I completely right. agree that all these virtues, I think, if you have them, they are supposed to go against things mm. that make make things difficult for you, right? That's how you show that this is a principle you'd hear. Because you know, if if the if, if, I I didn't list the principle to eat chocolate. I mean, that, we can all do that. I mean, it's fine. You know, it's, it's not easy, difficult. Yeah. yeah, it's easy. Right. So we don't have the principle. It's not a principle. I mean, in that sense, I think even curiosity is a little bit of a fake virtue or principle. Yeah, of course. Of course. I mean, come on. Mm. Like, how can you not? I, I don't know. Some people might not be. But yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Do you have other ones? Do you want to? Or I, I can do one. But. Yeah. No, I would love to hear yeah. yours. I, I didn't make a list, Daniel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I became a bit inspired by, the, by reading <laughs> nice. All right. So I have one, which is also a part of this. Uh, uh, it's also in uh, Advice for a Young uh, Investigator by Santiago Ramon y Callao. Um, and, and it is related, but I think I'm maybe a bit stronger against this even. So mm. I, one of my virtues is uh, anti-authoritarianism. Hmm. Interesting. And really anti. So, so in the, the mm. book he describes, he says, inordinate, inordinate respect for genius is based on a commendable sense of fairness and modesty that is difficult to censor. However, when foremost in the mind of a novice, it cripples initiative and prevents the formulation of original work. Defect for defect, arrogance is preferable to diffidence. Boldness hmm. measures its strength and conquers or is conquered, and undue modesty flees from battle, condemned to shameful inactivity. I mean, how these people write. I mean, what a great quote! God. Yeah, uh, no, exactly, I remember exactly. when I read it. It's it's a he's yeah. yeah it's a it's a good book. It's a really yeah, good book. Would highly written. recommend it. Yeah, and and but here they mean okay. You should not be basically amazed or like too afraid to go against somebody right. who is uh, an authority or you know a genius. Right. You should boldly go in and maybe test your claims. You can be proven wrong, okay, but you know you should still do it. But I think I would go a little bit further, even like I think really um, a virtue is not to have any kind of authority relationship. And I think we also discussed this a bit in the eminence. It's a bit about eminence mm -hmm, as well. Mm -hmm, I already mm -hmm. said I don't really like it. But I think even this like authority, I so often see people who try to pressure people into doing something else or telling them how to do something or what, right? And they're using their authority to push back against people. And I think mm. in science, this is really problematic. Having this right. kind of these authority mechanisms in place. And I think it's a virtue to go against these kind of authority mechanisms. I think it's, I mean, for me, I don't know, it reminds me a little bit of my old punk days when I was like, you know, 16 <laughs> or something. And, I, and I, I dyed my hair and I thought it was punk. But like go, going against authority, like there, th this is, especially in science, I feel. If you work in a company, you can't really criticize authority because, you know, they're just management layers and stuff. But no, but in science, I feel it's not about any of that. So anyway, that's one. That's one where I thought, okay, I think at least for me, it's a principle, right? So it means, it mm. means I really try not to, maybe actually anti. The anti part is that, you know, if I'm in a room and there's a mm -hmm. bunch of people 
and there are some eminent people. I and I, mm-hmm. I really really think I do this all the time, to be honest. Yeah. And there are these eminent prestigious people. I mean, and you are you are one of them, Daniel. I don't think you're gonna maybe, be like those maybe. people. <laughs> but, but what you sometimes see is that you're they like cluster... when we when us congregate, yeah, when wow. us eminent people congregate. <laughs> maybe, maybe. But um, but they sometimes cluster together. You know, they they oh, they, they find each other. They stand around each other. But I will always go and find like whatever, who whoever whoever. You know, it doesn't matter to me. But I don't want to you know cluster together with those people. I don't like those kind of things. So I'll you know. I'll sit somewhere during dinner. I'll sit somewhere randomly with some other people. Like, you know, randomness is a good equalizer, for example. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, I the, yeah, there's a bit of a cultural difference there, I think, when I was 16, 17. I mean, I've, you know, again, when you grew up in, I do think this might resonate mm. with more like Asian, you know, people with Asian backgrounds and stuff. But I mean, mm. we are raised to be very sort of diffident and respect authority, mm. Uh, mm. which I always have been. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's a bad thing necessarily either. Although, I mean, I will say it, I am much less like deferential now than I used to be. And I, but, but, but I will say that I think, I think so. One of the, one of the, one of the virtues that Barry mentions is courage. Like you have to mm-hmm. be, you have to have the courage to stand up for what you believe in is true, mm-hmm. even when there's massive dis- disagreement. So I think it's fine. And especially when you think about, right? Like when I meet, I mean, I know Barry personally and I, so he, I, respect mm-hmm. him a lot because he's i mean just brilliant and just fun to talk like right mm-hmm. and and there is like i do respect him and his authority quite a bit mm-hmm. and i don't think that's wrong because at the same time when i think he's saying something that's wrong mm-hmm. i will tell him i think he's wrong yeah. right like yeah. i also so i think i think that it's fine to be respectful of authority as long as it's legitimate authority right mm-hmm. not like if somebody's just telling me things and wants me to do something because whatever because i said so that i'm like i don't think so yeah. Um, right. Yeah. Give me a good reason. And then that's fine. But I do think I'm respectful of sort of legitimate authority that comes from, you know, people who know what they're talking about. Yeah. But but I also think having maybe and then, yeah, maybe having the courage is yeah, also like, like an yeah. important virtue where you're like, no, but, you know, when when things when I need to push back, mm-hmm. I will mm-hmm. push back yeah. because and I think some of it I, I, was, I was recently thinking about it so I, I some time ago i asked my mom if she ever um mm-hmm. got any complaints about me from school and she said <laughs> she said she said no the only time she heard a complaint from me from school was my 10th grade science teacher mm-hmm. who said that i corrected her too much in class <laughs> 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 so i do like i do, <laughs> i do think i i do have a bit of a contrarian streak i think mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I mm-hmm. think it it makes it a lot easier to speak up for what you think is right when you know you have the truth behind you, right? When yeah. I'm like, yeah. I, I'm not saying yeah. anything wrong. Like, yeah. right, I, I, I know what I'm saying is yeah. the right thing because I've done my homework. And so I will not be scared of anybody yeah. because it's right. Like, yeah. like, yeah. So No, I like it. It makes me think like, I, I think we have a list of things, but I think we should have like a structural equation model of these things. Because I think <laughs> there's something about the relationship between authority and respecting it or not. But then if people say something, it's not true, then you have to have courage. Right. But yeah. the courage to say something. And I mean, right. it was also on my list. Like I had, I, 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 I phrased it like, uh, we should speak the truth, even if it will not make you friends. Right. Right. right, because you, because sometimes you speak out and your science teacher does get annoyed by you because this is the <laughs> tenth time you've you know made a smart ass comment about no no it's not right <laughs> yeah yeah that was me <laughs> <laughs> but you know if the rest of the class learned something because you know actually you corrected yeah, them hey, exactly yeah, yeah. yeah I agree yeah. I agree I yeah. think that's that's a virtue that's a virtue yeah um okay I'll I'll just keep going but I think yeah. we but I think we're equal because you had good 
courage as a virtue and i think yeah. I, i recognize it like i think that's right. a very nice yeah. one yeah. yeah um i i have a weird a weird virtue sort of you know or principle but that is that science is a service job hmm. so i see it as uh, you're basically hired by society to do what's best for society and what's best for you or what you want is subordinate to what is hmm. best for society hmm That is, I think Bacon would agree. Mm, yeah. I, I don't think this is a very popular kind of thing, but I mm. definitely see us sort of as, you know, like garbage collectors. Like there's a job that has to be done. And, um, you know, you drive around, you do the job. And if you do it well, then you have value for society. But otherwise, yeah, not. Oh, that's interesting. But how do you square that with, I mean, some people who are doing sort of Blue skies research, where like there is no obvious, no obvious connection to how it might be of service to society. Mm -hmm. What would you, what would you say about that? Well, it, that fits in this model. So I mean, it's not that there's direct connection, but you basically create a system, a scientific system, where mm -hmm. you say, well, we believe science works best if some people we just let them do whatever, whatever they want, because then yeah. sometimes you know, and it's so difficult to predict that I think it's fine to have a very complex and diverse system so it's not that somebody really says hey there's trash there go and fix it you can just <laughs> yeah. be like no no i'm not gonna fix this trash i'm just gonna think of pro products so that there is less trash in the, in the future mm. whatever i mean yeah so so i think that's fine yeah right and even if it's not directly helping society if you're still discovering truths i mean that is Mm -hmm. Also a service, right? We're yeah, just, we're yeah. just uh, expanding our understanding of the natural world. Yeah. Or so, the, the, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it, it's not so okay. much that you're directly contributing to science or that it's like all applied science or that kind of stuff, but it's like a mindset, I think. It's a mindset mm. where you're like, my, I, I have a service job. Hmm. I my job is to do something for society. That's my job. And not people are not paying me for to make myself happy you know i mean and i think we discussed this in the first episode like should the you, motivation yeah, yeah should uh -huh. you be like you know should should you uh, pursue science because you love solving puzzles and it's great if it aligns lovely but i would basically say if it doesn't align then your job is boring but you still do it you know <laughs> yeah yeah that's great how do you think it plays out practically like say you have this mindset versus you mm -hmm. didn't what would change like what what changes then I think you can pursue your own interests much more and you get a disconnect. If, if you don't have it. If you if don't, you don't have, have this it. orientation. Okay, right. Exactly. Right. And then you think, yeah, what what is the goal in science? You might even think, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I just get a salary and I deserve this salary and I can do with this what I want, what I think mm. is important, for example. So yeah, I think you lose a little bit of a disconnect. And it's not about like blue sky research. You can do blow, blue sky research. Like I just love solving puzzles and this is not useful for anyone and I know it. Mm -hmm. That mm -hmm. would be fine. Or you can say, and this might be useful for a way and we can't predict it. And there's a role mm -hmm. in science for this kind of research because mm -hmm. we never know what it leads to. So that is the distinction, I think. Yeah. yeah. No, that's great. And I think, I mean, yeah. So this actually, well, yeah, when you first said it, I was like, hmm, that's kind of weird. But I mean, when you put it like that, the idea of like, oh, not just following something for your own purpose. Like I have, like people will sometimes now say that, oh, it's okay to think of science as a job. Mm -hmm. And that I just don't absolutely agree with. Like, it's mm -hmm. not just a means to get a paycheck. And I think thinking exactly. about science that way is wrong. Like, yeah. I think well, science should be wrong, thought wrong of as Wrong is a, a big word, sweetie. Well, wrong is a big well, word. It is not what you think is a virtue, right? That attitude is not what you would say. I, people can differ. Well. <laughs> you think they should 
think about it in a certain way. That's fine. But- I think I mm-hmm. think science should be thought of as a calling, just mm-hmm. I th- mm-hmm. just as mm-hmm. I think that teaching should be thought of as a calling. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Like you should care. Yeah. You should think of it as a service, just like teaching is a service. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Science is a service. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Scholarship is a service to. And I mean, when you think about it, right. Originally, this, that service was to God. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Most of the mm-hmm. scholarship back in the day came from churches. Right. It was uh, mm-hmm. in the service mm-hmm. of um, yeah. the almighty. Yeah. And now. We, yeah. 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 Well, I like so. it because even the, even though you didn't make a list. Uh, by talking about it, we come across. So, <laughs> we so I think you yeah. but I think you have like science as a, science is a calling. I mean, I think that is oh yeah a principle one, for you yeah. as well, like some sort of yeah. guiding principle. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And also one that maybe doesn't always is very popular because it's definitely true. And of course, I mean, it's not that I'm promoting that it's a calling, so you should work like crazy. And no, 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 that's not it. Like you can have. Well, no I am, more. but okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think you can totally have like. If the system is set up in a way so you feel like, I mean, the problem is that there are academic environments where people are just taking advantage of people who right. have this attitude, right? Mm, so they think yeah. now it's mm-hmm. a calling and then they're like, okay, and now I'm just forcing you to work like crazy. You're not getting anything. I mean, in a in a good system, maybe people want to do it, you know, and it works. But it, but even this idea comes up a lot, right? I mm. mean, Pavla said it as at, at the end, right? Remember that science demands from a man all his life, mm, mm, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I think E.O. Wilson has um, a quote <laughs> in his book from This Is Biology in, in uh-huh. his second chapter. I think he says at the end of it that, um, you know, biology is not a job. It's a way of life. Yeah, nice. And, um, and Wilson also has a book with advice for young scientists, by the way. Oh, does he? Oh, he has yeah, a full that's book right. about this. Yeah, he but does. he'll probably yeah. have some overlap. And Paul Medawar says exactly the same thing, by the way. Something right. like, okay, your partner, you, you should probably inform your partner, like, sorry, I'm a scientist. So this is going to take up my entire <laughs> life, just so you know what you're getting into. <laughs> just, yeah, you're, you'll always be second. Yeah. yeah <laughs> second yeah. In, in, in the list of priorities. I think it's lovely if it can work like this. I think we should also accept that for some, in some places, people are being taken advantage of. Sure. Right. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, but and you know, but it and I and I think it it is also similar to like what you were talking about earlier with being an exclusionary thing, right? Because mm-hmm. you can't choose what your calling is going to be, or mm-hmm. if you're going yeah. to have a calling. Not everybody. And sometimes I do feel like it's a privileged position to be, you know, like oh, I'm going to pursue my mm-hmm. calling and, mm-hmm. and to even have a calling. Most people, I think, spend most of their lives not knowing what they even want to do. Yeah. So and, and it's sort of a rare, yeah, rare I, occurrence I agree, to yeah. be like, oh, yeah. I, I know what I want to, what my, I mean, calling, I mean, again, it doesn't have the same kind of sort of, you know, um, religious, spiritual mm-hmm. um, significance anymore, but still, you know, having a calling and being able to pursue it is a bit of a, mm-hmm. it's, it's, a it's a privilege. Right? Yeah. Yeah, and I think um, uh, again, the system should not get into the way of your calling or abuse your calling. But if you if you can work in an environment where it works, um, yeah. I, I think it is a, a very special thing, and and maybe something that sets us apart from accountants. <laughs> this yeah. aspect, yeah, yeah, that we treat we can, we can choose to treat our job as a calling. I mean, I'm not saying everybody needs to do it, but if this is your virtue or your principle, this is what you want. We can well, do it. I think Barry would argue that you could even choose to treat your accountancy job or even being mm. a janitor as a calling yeah. right well maybe maybe it is maybe i hope i hope they exist yeah, I, hope, <laughs> I hope they're out there okay so I, I we're going pretty even still with our nice nice um i have another Good. one that i'd like to discuss uh-huh. and this is actually inspired from reading uh weber as well mm, nice. mm-hmm. and this is specific in the context of teaching uh, but it's about the distinguishing facts from values 
So there are facts, there are things we establish, the context of justification, we test things, we figure them out, and there are values, of course, which you know might determine what you want to study or which questions you want to ask, and that's fine, but you shouldn't mix the two. But I'll read this quote by Weber, because I think it's interesting, especially in current times, uh, even though this is from 1917, so it's more than a century old. I think it is irresponsible for a lecturer to exploit a situation in which the students have to attend the class of a teacher for the sake of their future careers, but where there is no one present who can respond to him critically. It is Mm. irresponsible for such a teacher to fail to provide his listeners, as is his duty, with his knowledge and academic experience, while imposing on them his personal political opinions. No doubt, an individual lecturer will not always be able to suppress his subjective sympathies. He will then have to face the sharpest criticism in the form of his own conscience. And it proves nothing for others. Purely factual errors are possible, and yet they do not amount to a refutation of the idea that his duty is to seek the truth. Furthermore, I reject the idea in the interests of pure science. I am willing to demonstrate from the writings of our historians that whenever an academic introduces his own value judgment, a complete understanding of the facts comes to an end. Hmm. So he's really making a very sharp distinction between your value judgments Mm -hmm. and facts. And especially in the context of teaching. Uh, He goes on quite a lot about this, actually, in his uh, his lecture. Yeah, where he really says, this is not what you're hired for. This is not your responsibility. In the classroom, value should be kept out. You should give people the facts so they can think of this. They can come up with their own uh, beliefs about this. I think this is definitely something which shifts, I think, in general, you know, Uh at many universities, you'll have people say, yeah, you know, we have to teach people certain things. Now this is happening in the world. We should introduce this in all our lectures and Mm -hmm, stuff. mm -hmm. So, so no, that's why I think it's interesting to bring it up. Uh, And, and of course, this is Weber, I mean, 1917 talking about this. He, he also talked, well, anyway, it's a sensitive period in Germany, right? where he is, mm, right, right, talking right, about right, politics right, right, right. and keeping politics out of the classroom in this yeah. time, making such a strong argument for it. Right. That's it. But then, so are you, so you were a proponent of making this distinction very, very clear or just stay, staying away from making value judgments in the classroom? But so, or, yeah. Well, I mean, so I can just say what I personally do, right? Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I think it is our responsibility to um, provide people with information factual information Mm -hmm. that they can use to draw their own conclusions about things right Right. and Mm -hmm. and sometimes i mean it's very difficult not to um well no i don't think it's even that difficult but you know sometimes you'll make a comment and then while you say it you need to like okay but wait i also need to say the counterpoint here for example you know Mm -hmm. if i say something about religion for example the netherlands is i think currently the least religious country in the world so (laughs) it's very normative to just say yeah religion you know it's a little bit a thing of the past and i i I would say i don't expect many people in my classroom to be religious i have no idea maybe you know but i don't expect this to happen a lot but then if you make a comment about this religion is a choice right it's a value system and everything i mean it's not up to me to judge whether you should be religious or not so then you know i'll always say something like well i don't know something on the other side as well like a positive thing so i'll try to balance out examples so they don't go in a certain direction i won't make too many assumptions that are not factual even though of course you have opinions about things 
But right. yeah, I try to leave them out of the classroom as much as possible. Yeah, yeah, I do think so. I mean, it's also not necessary. I can teach many things, you know, even I teach introduction to psychology. I can get through the entire class without mm -hmm. pushing my, my own value system on the students. It's not necessary. Yeah. Except here we are pushing our value systems on everybody. Yeah. Here this in, this, in this podcast? <laughs> yeah, in this podcast, yeah. Well, I'm not pushing. Here we're well, giving episode. it. <laughs> here we're giving it. But I think this is the context where you can do this. Right. I mean, I mean, people can't talk back. But I mean, that's fine. But we're not telling anybody <laughs> to do. We don't even know. Who, yeah, yeah. yeah. But that's, I mean, religion is such a fascinating example. One of my favorite classes um, in college was um, by this professor, Dennis Holden. It was the philosophy of religion. Hmm. And hmm. he did such a good job of, like, you would not know whether he was religious, whether he was not religious, hmm. or like, hmm. even there was no value. It was simply about, like, what are the arguments that have been laid out? Yeah, yeah in philosophy about oh is there or is there not a soul is there or is there not mm -hmm, a god mm -hmm. and just purely looking at theories from a very sort of disinterested perspective but we're just trying to understand which theories have been put forth on both sides yeah. um, and then just evaluating them one of the most excellent classes i've taken hmm. yeah i actually took it twice because he taught both at my uh, community college and also at davis um he used hmm. to teach over the summer but i think but i think religion is also a weird one because I... Weber talks a lot about it in his text, by the way, religion. Talks a really? lot about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About specific this context and the conflict. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I... Yeah, and, and, and I don't know if this is a principle, but I will say, like, I do feel like I do find a religious worldview to be fundamentally in conflict with a scientific worldview. Yeah. Well, I'll just give you this one sentence that Weber writes about this. Uh, uh -huh. he, he writes, and today, again, 1917, and yeah. today no one can really doubt in his heart of hearts that science is alien to God. <laughs> mm. So he also thinks like they're not the same. Like it's weird to have them together, right? He's, he thinks yeah, so. mm. like it's not, yeah, it's not even that, yeah, they just seem totally incompatible to me. Yeah. But this is, of course, a perfect example of a value system that differs. Right. And I know there are many academics, like in the Netherlands, people really are very hesitant to admit that they are religious, mm. um, especially in academia. So I know some people who are religious, and it really took them quite a long time to, you know, share this with other people because I think they feel slightly judged. Yeah. 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 Which is interesting because I remember when I realized I didn't really believe in God, I would be a little hesitant to sh to to share that I was an atheist because I do I f I thought that people would judge me for being like I think there's the sense of like oh you're immoral if you're not mm -hmm. religious yes. right there's a sense of yeah yeah but in an academic context I think it works right a little bit it works the, the other, other way, way around yeah maybe yeah yeah, yeah. which I mean I I am not uh, like people should make their own choices about these things right. I mean, oh, and, yeah, and, and again, I would point out that religion, especially in our country, like if you would cut away religion, like if you would stop all the churches, they take so much social work in their right. hands. We right. would have a big problem without churches. So, I mean, they do many great stuff. So it's up to people to, to make these decisions, I think. But, but anyway, it is like, like the teacher that you mentioned. Where you mm -hmm, just couldn't mm -hmm. tell what their, what their viewpoints were on something, laying out the facts. Yeah. I, I think it's a value. It's a good, and yeah, and it's a good, important value. Sort of mm. ties in with the sort of disinterestedness of being mm -hmm. able to share, you know, hey, mm -hmm. here are the facts, and then we let students, yeah. for the, you know, think for themselves. Yeah, yeah, I agree, yeah. I agree, yeah. I had another point, which um, is that we should invite and value criticism from others, even if it hurts. That's my viewpoint. Well, your viewpoint is stupid, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, and I would say... 
thank you so much for taking the time to make this comment. You, you yourself, I think, are a complete idiot. But nevertheless, I really value that instead of just ignoring this, you took some effort and put put in some effort and told me that. Yeah. 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 No. Um, yeah. And I would you say that is also sort of tied with the um, Pavlov's thing of modesty of you know, if you're modest mm. and you you don't know, mm. you don't think you have all the answers, mm-hmm. then you would be more open to critical feedback and just acknowledging that, yeah, you know, somebody else could say, yeah, things yeah. that I, I didn't hadn't thought of before. And that goes hand in hand with being open to Again, constructive. Yeah. yeah. Again, criticism. instead of a list, this really needs to be some sort of structural equation modeling because yeah. there's this relation through modesty where criticism is important to both right. stay modest, but also you have to be modest because you know people can show that you're wrong. But I think, yeah, the main thing here is just that it's easy not to value and invite criticism on your work, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, That's the easy thing to do because it it sucks hearing why other people think that your approach to something is flawed or, you know, it sucks. It does suck, but it's so, and, and that's, I mean, this has been my experience. I don't know if that was your experience in graduate school, but everybody just seems so afraid of criticism. Mm-hmm. Like they're just so afraid of getting critical feedback, of openly sharing. That's why I mean, so many times we were in seminar. Nobody, like half the class, didn't say anything. Mm-hmm. Nobody's mm-hmm. sure, and and I do think it came from a sense of like not wanting to mm-hmm. openly say what you think because it, that that opens you up for oh somebody could say oh no that's not right or that's wrong or even I mean we don't like I think I've mentioned this before we don't have a dissertation defense in our mm-hmm. at our university and I've heard I recently just heard a group of people talking about dissertation defenses in their university and how how stressful it was and how terrible it's like well yeah but that's part of it right like you should be able to sort of defend your ideas openly Mm -hmm. and and open them up to sort of critical Mm -hmm. evaluation that's part that should be part that should be a virtue that we should be Mm -hmm. teaching people and teaching them to value yeah Hopefully we teach it before they actually go into their defense because it kind right, of sucks right. if that's your first test of defending your criticisms, <laughs> right? So maybe you should build it in from year one so you feel, yeah. no, no, I know how to do this. I can do this. I'm right. not too worried about yeah. this defense thing. I think I got it. Um, yeah. But but yeah, exactly. And and I think what you often see is people, uh, so it, you can, I mean, it can go wrong in two ways where people, um, so I think it. It even means maybe, weirdly enough, the opposite, that you should actively criticize something if you think there's a problem. Because Mm. I think it's also bad behavior if you just ignore something completely. I mean, you should at least try to engage. I mean, of course, we are talking social interaction. So after a while, you can be like, okay, I've tried it five times. I'm giving up. This is not working. Nobody's getting happier. But I think you should initially at least try. But also the other side should invite it. And you can also be like, no, no. Yeah, you've told me now 17 times this weird thing. We just don't agree on this. We can call it quits. You know, it's fine. But but having this this interaction, I think. and and But I think the main thing is really this... Um, it is easier not to hear what any problems are, but you should really right. invite it. At a, you know, I think that's an, a, a virtue if you do that. Because it improves yeah. science, I think that's it, right? If you invite criticism, your work will probably get better. Let's just assume people give decent criticism, you know, fair, fair points. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it is. I mean, I totally agree with you. But I guess, yeah, I, I guess I also see... No, yeah, I guess I'm saying something counter to what I was saying earlier, but it is sort of understandable why people might be hesitant to seek it out mm-hmm. or ask to get feedback. And especially when sometimes you realize that people, right, if if you're opening yourself up to criticism, 
Mm. I mean, people can be jerks, right? They can, they can really people sort of, can be jerks. Yeah, yeah, it sucks. Yeah, of course, it yeah. does suck. So you, yeah. it's yeah. probably probably just like self preservation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I know for myself, I don't particularly like being wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which I mean, I guess who does? I mean, it doesn't oh, that, happen that often. It doesn't yeah. happen that often, but, <laughs> but, <laughs> but there was this but, moment, you know, like in 1999, <laughs> I think, was it like, yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but uh yeah it is not fun right to mm. to open yourself up like that um, no. and be one of the but i but no. yeah I, th- I i sort of agree with you it, it is a virtue and it is a virtue we should probably encourage yeah. and, and yeah. you can do it in a very safe context where you find like I, I mean i have friends that i value a lot because i know they will you know they care about me they have my best interests right. in mind but if i mess up they will tell me. They will tell you, yeah. And, and I think that is so valuable. That right. is so valuable, especially as you as you have a career, you become like it becomes increasingly less likely that somebody will criticize me. I think over time, but these people that I know from forever, they will they will do this. I know they will do it, and I think it's extremely. Yeah, no, valuable. those are the only people you should consider friends. Right? <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's an exactly. Yeah. I really and and a while ago it was an interesting situation. So I criticized somebody, uh-huh. but I was actually wrong. So it was kind of uncomfortable situation. So somebody did something and I said, I don't know why you're doing this, but this is just not right. Like what you're doing mm-hmm. here, I think this is not appropriate. And, and they were explaining, well, you, you know, you're judging, but you don't know the context here. This is a different country. Things work different here. And we really had a bit of an uncomfortable situation. In the, in the end, I had to say, I thought about it. I was wrong to criticize you. But I would say even this situation that I still cared about them because the criticism was like, but what are you doing? Like, you shouldn't be doing this, you, you know, to, to help them. Right. What I thought preventing them from making a mistake. I was actually completely wrong. Hmm. But I think throughout this, I would say, even though it was a negative episode, because we really had like a bit of a disagreement and it was a pretty big thing, you know, like not an easy thing hmm. to criticize, but it was really like, whoa, uh, we we really had to come back and discuss it. And then afterwards, I feel it strengthened in mm, my view. I hope the, the other person yeah. thinks the same. It strengthened <laughs> our friendship that we went through this. You know, we're willing and to do this. And you did it with good intentions. You went through something that was uncomfortable with good intentions, right? I think that yeah. matters. Yeah. And yeah. it's, yeah. And, and, and I think you're right. It is hard to tell people when you think they're doing wrong, especially when you know that it might negatively affect your relationship or they might, you know, not appreciate it. It's hard to do that, right? But that's what principles are for. Right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what principles are for. Yeah. Um, I have, uh, I, I have a couple of other ones. I don't know. We're, this might get a long episode, but let's do. Well, it's a good. I mean, it's yeah. fun. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I have another uh, sort of virtue, and that is be pragmatic. Be pragmatic, and I'll explain <laughs> it because, like, be pragmatic because I think if you are too extreme like you're not pragmatic but you're too extreme in like everything needs to be perfect like in theory i think in perfect theory i think scientists can just not work like it works because in practice we whatever you know we make it work sort of you know this is a weird social system and if you think about it why can this work but somehow somehow it works but it works in an engineering kind of way and not in a pure mathematics kind of way like it works because we make it work and um it also means that if you want to be too too the perfect perfect is the enemy of the good that's also i think right so there is you don't want to go all the way to perfect that is too much that is too extreme be pragmatic about things Uh, everything we do has some flaws which is fine Uh, you should just accept it we struggle along 
And then um, hopefully we make some progress, but it's good to be pragmatic about this and not aim for a perfect science which doesn't exist. Oh gosh, I, I feel personally attacked right now, Daniel. <laughs> uh, because I might be one of the least pragmatic people I know. Yeah. Um, I'm very well, much I'm happy not. We, we got to one point where we might differ on in terms of, <laughs> or not. I mean, you can also not live up to certain values. Maybe you're like, you know, uh, this is a good value, but I just don't do it. But maybe you don't agree with it. Hmm. Well, I think that, I think when it comes to science and yeah, maybe I will. Well, yeah, no, I, I do think that when it comes to science, this, this, this idea of being pragmatic is necessarily in conflict with, with pursuing excellence. And I, I don't think that, yeah. and I don't think that means that you, mm-hmm. you know, that you can always reach excellence or reach mm-hmm. perfection, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I think that should be the higher goal in my yeah, mind. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Not not being pragmatic, but but seeking excellence, even though you cannot reach it. So I, I think I do disagree on the maybe the pri- the priority of it. And yeah. I I, yeah. I don't care about pragmatism too much. Yeah. I think um, yeah yeah. But I would say even there. So I think excellence is something. Let's put it like this. Maybe excellence is something you strive for in a longer term, but in the way towards it, you have to be a bit pragmatic because mm. if you really want excellent, let's say you want to do an excellent first study as a PhD student, and it has to be excellent. I don't know how you would do it in any other way than not do any study for 20 years as you prepare and learn and uh, and then you do your study. Like, well, I don't know how you can th- do that this. That is my plan of action. That's your so. plan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and then I would say, be pragmatic. Acknowledge that, yeah. you know, you can do a good st- job. You struggle yeah. forward. I, I'm not uh-huh. saying lower the bar, but I mean, you know, uh, be a bit pragmatic, I think, is very important, like as scientists. So, that, the, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, but to help you, to help you, my next uh-huh. point is also that you have to be idealistic. Yeah, yeah, that, that I can agree with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so I think that um, uh, there are many ways in which science is not perfect. Uh, but first of all, I don't think it's as bad as some other institutions we have, you know, uh, that we also trust pretty well. Like I always think about, Banks, for example, I think many right. many people in society they don't really know what happens in banks. They don't really know what happens in science. So for them, you know, these are just mm. stuff. But I'm Big pretty institutions, sure, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And and you know, you put your money on a bank and and you do stuff that scientists tell you sometimes. So you trust them to a certain extent. I think we're probably doing, on average, maybe a better job than than banks. Like I think I don't know. We're not the worst. But anyway, even though it's not perfect, I think. Um, it is, it is a really, it may be in line with this idea of a calling, but it's an amazing institution, mm-hmm. like science, mm-hmm. that we have mm-hmm. science. It's something mm-hmm. we, mm-hmm. I think, as a society should cherish. It is not um, yeah. obvious that we have it as it is happening. Mm. So I think we should be idealistic in the more abstract sense of science. So pragmatic mm. as we do it, but also kind of idealistic about the whole thing. Hmm. That's interesting. I would, but I would think that pe- a lot of people would think of sort of prag- you know, being pragmatic and being I- idealist as sort of in mm. in conflict with each other, right? Aren't they thought of as sort of opposites? Yeah, I think. Uh, but you're talking about different levels, level, exactly. Right, so right, I think on the right. high level, you can be sort of idealistic about science as as the whole thing, as the institution. But as we do it, you have to be pragmatic. So I think that's yeah, yeah. But do you worry? I mean, I do sometimes think that what ends up happening is that let's say you're doing something and you're like oh you know i don't have the resources to do it or i don't have the time to do it really well and i will just Mm -hmm, sort of whatever mm -hmm. right i'm going to be pragmatic about things like that Mm -hmm. but then 
you know, you keep doing things that way and then eventually that just becomes the way you do things. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, so I think so you, you, you never, keep doing, yeah. No, but I think the problem is you keep doing things that way. That would then violate this idea of excellence, right? And and learning and improving that, yourself. That's why I think it's more important, yeah. yeah. Than, yeah. But, but, but I think it is fine to have some plan where you do this over time. And I mean, of course, you can also decide, hey, I'm taking a shortcut. I'm asking an expert to help me. I don't know how to do it, but I'm just asking somebody to tell me how to do it, you know? But Daniel, like, I mean, we're talking about sort of, you know, okay, pragmatism versus idealism. And I mean, our whole, the whole point of being an idealist is that you have a set of principles and you follow those principles. And this episode is just about principles, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, aren't, isn't the whole point that, oh yeah, you should have a set of principles that you operate by mm -hmm. and you should do them even when they feel hard, even when you're like, oh, I will have to spend, you know, five mm -hmm. more days trying to figure this thing out, but that's yeah, the right yeah. thing to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But still, I think that this is a higher level, slightly longer term kind of ideal that we're working towards always. And probably that we'll never reach. Let's be honest. We'll never have an ideal well, world or science. Yeah, but I think, you know, or maybe, I don't know how many, how long it will take, but maybe we'll get there. But okay, it will be a long, yeah. long, 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 long time. Right. And in the meantime, you have to be a bit pragmatic while you aim for you know, a certain level of excellence, but in this whole... Working within the system. Exactly. It's sort of like saying saying to Bacon, like, hey, Bacon, I mean, 400 years ago, you were doing things like this. You were, you were not setting the bar as high as we have it today. No, of course not. Like, he couldn't, right? You can't ask somebody in 400 years ago to... But he was aiming for it. He wasn't trying exactly. to be pragmatic. Yeah. He yeah. Was so on the higher idealist. level, I think he had mm. the ideal on the higher level, but probably in practice, he's like, yeah. But this is as, as far as we can get at okay. this moment. This is where yeah. the bar is today. We'll move the bar up as we work. That, that's that's sort of my, yeah, my idea. But I mean, yeah, I, I, the only thing I will counter to that will say is that you cannot move the bar up if you're not also operating with some some level of idealism, even at the smaller level. But we will agree to disagree. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that's also fine. <laughs> I, I have a last one, uh, a last virtue. I think this is maybe the most virtuous virtue, I think, close, I think. Uh, and that is to pay it Call for your mom. Okay. Pay it forward. That's okay. that's my principle because I think if you're if you're somewhere, I mean, you got there by a mix of some luck, but also probably often. I I think this is what you hear from everybody. Like you got some help somewhere. Somebody gave you a lucky break or asked you to join something or something. You know, there's something that happens, and and in my career that has a hundred percent happened. Like I'm here, mm -hmm. I can point to certain defining moments where if somebody wouldn't have helped me. I would have, you know. I wouldn't be here. And yeah. uh, so I, I feel that now when you've made it through this minefield and luck and whatever, you have a certain responsibility. And I would really say responsibility, you know, this is mm. now your responsibility to pay it forward, to help the younger generation also to navigate their way through this. Mm, nice. And you think that that is something that's like, would it be different in other disciplines than in science? Like, is it something that's only exclusive to science? Yeah. Or yeah. is it just a virtue that you would think anybody that's in any discipline should follow? Maybe. I mean, I'm not sure how far people get by themselves. I mean, maybe let's take our accountants, which we really have no idea about. But maybe, you know, as an accountant, <laughs> you just start and you can work by yourself. You can get there. Like nobody needs to give you a lucky break or invite you to join a project mm. or invite mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. over for a conference or something. You know, those are the things that we do. I, I feel that's really in science a bit more of a thing because yeah you just happen to join a project or meet somebody or network and those are the people that offer you a job later you know all right. those kind of things seem it our field seems to be 
quite random in whether you make it through the next step and have a career. More than hopefully for the accountants being for the, you can just yeah you can just be really a good accountant yeah, and then you, you do will a just job, get a job just make right. progress yeah it's fine right as opposed to i mean yeah i i suspected works in other other fields that would be considered a practice or a discipline right like if you're a mu- musician or if you're an exactly. actor right exactly like, and and actually i mean i think there are a lot of stories where i don't know you know like the i was listening to a podcast a while ago and it one one of the people in the mamas and the papas <laughs> You know, this uh, 60s band, like this, uh, Mm -hmm. you don't know them? Like California Dreaming and, okay, well, anyway, the Mamas Mm -mm. and the Papas, they're like a big folk band in the 60s, -hmm. in the hippie era. And and one of those, uh, there are two women in there, and one of them was really like inviting people over, paying for it by her own money, and then Mm. sending them around, and those people would then make it in the, you know? And so this person did this as well. So I feel- Really paying it forward, yeah. And it's the same system where- it's just whether you make it or not. It's such a random kind right. of thing. Yeah. Just so, a very random thing. And somebody would have had to give you a leg up or yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Believe in you and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah, a very yeah. very, very good virtue. Yeah. yeah. Well, is is this enough for a book, you think? Can I write a book now? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Can I give you it could, a try? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, I'll put it on my to-do list. Yeah. <laughs> N- next sabbatical. Yeah. yeah. But it, it, I have to say, this was, I mean, we always have this aim in a, in, in this, this podcast, right? I mean, for us, it's always like, okay, we say we're going to talk about this and then we uh-huh. think about it. And hopefully, because we set a deadline for it, then we'll do it. Right. You know? We'll think about it. So we'll schedule in time to think about a topic, which we otherwise wouldn't make time for. This was such a lovely topic. To think to about. think about yeah so nice yeah i really i would recommend it to other people as well like take some time and think about it like what are your what are your principles so i think it's it was a lovely topic to think about really you know it's so interesting you say that there's a paper also by barry schwartz that i was reading that i thought might have interesting tidbits for us to talk mm. about and it's the creation and destruction of value hmm. and on the first page there's it's a science and the first sentence is the practice of science depends on a set of metaphysical and epistemological commitments so commonplace that they rarely rise to the level of explicit consideration or discussion, at least among scientists. <laughs> so I think nice. there yeah, we are so again. Th- there we are again. There, it's a returning yeah, theme, right? But I think I think you're totally right. Like there's these things that I mean, you know, of course. I mean, as I was saying, I didn't make a list, but there's certain things that I do think about in my head of like, oh, these are th- principles I value, but we just don't talk about them yeah, 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 explicitly. But- so it is very, very fun to be able to think about them and discuss them explicitly yeah thank you for listening to this episode of nullius in verba our theme song is newton's cradle by grand brothers if you have any thoughts feedback or comments you'd like to share you can reach us over email at nullius pod at gmail.com or our social media accounts at mastodon or twitter In this episode, we discuss the virtues that can guide scientific behavior in the right direction, even if it sometimes makes life a little difficult. In the next episode, we will discuss the difference between topics that are worthy of research and those that are a waste of time, and ask whether it is possible to ascertain this difference in advance. We hope you will join us.